morning. Hey, welcome to Sierra Bible Church. If uh, you are new here this morning, I want to introduce myself to you. My name is Jesse, and uh, for the most part, uh, I get to facilitate uh, teaching the Word of God. So if that's you, I just want to make you aware of a couple things. One is um, we, we as a staff and as a church, we pray kind of specifically for two things. One is that we would be a church that would be uh, invitational, that we would be people that invite other people to come to church to experience who Jesus is, to find out all about God, and to learn about what God has taught us through the Word of God. And so thank you for those of you who uh, are inviting people continually uh, and making people feel welcome. And then we also just pray, Lord, we want our doors to be open to anybody, wherever they're at, that they would come and feel free to explore the faith and explore who Jesus is. And we're seeing the fruit of that, too. We've had several individuals come to Jesus just in the last few months, which is really really incredible and really neat. And so if you are new and, and that happens to be you, you were prayed for, now you're here. You're like, why am I here? Someone prayed for you to get here and that's what happens. It's like a magnet. <laughs> Welcome. And, uh, and, and if that is you, out, out to my right, your left is an info booth. We got a free gift for you. Uh, we want to connect with you. That's where you would find out all about our church. It's where you'd uh, sign up for our newsletter that goes out every week, tells you about all the events that are happening, uh, the community groups that we have, all the Bible studies that we offer, and just the place for you to connect. So please make sure you get your free gift. Everybody likes free, just like grace. If it's free, it's for me. So make sure you go out there and check it out. And then a couple things I want to make you aware of uh, upcoming. Fall is a busy season for us, uh, and we are just launching uh, all kinds of things along with the school year because we figured if you have kids, you're not busy enough as it is. We want to add to your schedule. And so here's how we're going to do that. Number one, uh, there's a Roman study starting up uh, on the 18th of September. My wife is teaching that. She's an incredible Bible teacher. So ladies, make sure you check that out. And then Laura is going to be teaching through the book of Genesis uh, starting September 10th. Now, we're going to be a little flexible with this, possibly, uh, and we're praying for Laura. Laura actually just got out of the hospital. She came down with some uh, weird little uh, ammonia kind of thing. So... Um, so we'll be praying for her. I think, uh, I thought I saw Zach walk in here. Um, maybe he's got the kids next door. But she just went home yesterday, right? Yep, she's at home. And the doctor said it's going to take her a couple weeks to feel 100%. So make sure you be, uh, you're, you're praying for her. And then uh, we have our women's retreat coming up. So ladies, make sure you sign up for that. And guys, uh, your wives are going to be gone. So stock up the freezer with pizza and chicken nuggets for the kids. And um, because, you know, we all know you're not going to cook. Uh, and then... Uh, for the men, we have a men's uh, breakfast and Bible study that we do on the second and fourth uh, Saturday. So we just want to let you know, not only do we have women's stuff, we've got some men's stuff happening too. Uh, and this is all in addition to, I think we have like 12 or 13 community groups in the area, along with MAGS, which is our men's accountability groups that Mike Harrison uh, leads. So again, lots of stuff to get plugged into. And then Awana is kicking off. This is for our kids. Uh, th those of you who want your kids to be learning scripture week to week, uh, studying the Bible, memorizing scripture. We also need some volunteers for kids. This is a great place to get plugged in starting September 10th and pre-registration for your kids is open now online, svctrucky.com under the ministries tab. Actually, I think it's right on the front page right now for you. Uh, so make sure you go there and do that. Okay, that's my announcements uh, as far as the church goes. And I, I wanna let you know about something that I think is really neat, ties in with uh, who we are and what God's doing. So <clears throat> last week, some of you know, um, last week I was in uh, some board meetings, uh, which is super fun. They're called board meetings because they really are boring. They're board meetings. And uh, every now and then those meetings are pretty incredible, actually. The board meetings 
are for our district. We're part uh, of uh, a network of churches called the CMA, Christian Missionary Alliance, and that we're allied in planting churches uh, and sending missionaries around the world. And I sit on the board for our uh, district, which includes Guam, uh, Hawaii, Nevada, California, and Utah. And, uh, and one of the guys, I just, uh, he's, he's on staff at the district. I think this is really neat. His name is Edgar Castro. And Edgar was hired uh, around 2015, 2016 for our district. Edgar is in charge of all the Spanish ministries within all of those states that I just mentioned. And, and here's something that, that, that you need to know. When you give to Sierra Bible Church, we give a portion of our money to the district to do these kind of things. So I want you to hear what Edgar's up to. Edgar, when he first was hired, uh, we had in our district five Hispanic churches in the district. Five. It's 2019. So since 2016, when he hit the ground running, we now have 14. That's incredible. Okay. Um, and and he's, he, he's just hammering them out, man. And, and he's just, he, he just had a retreat uh, for Spanish, uh, Hispanic leaders within our district, and they had almost 600 people attend which is super incredible. Here's his goal by 2020, which is next year. So we have 14. By next year, he wants to have 23 planted. And what that means is he's already working on, on planting those churches. Guess where one of those areas is? Truckee, you got it. Thank you, front row. Appreciate your attendance. And um, yeah, here in Truckee. And so actually right now, Jim Mathias uh, along with uh, Roberto, so those of you might might know Roberto, he's been serving here. Um, they're next door right now, meeting with the gentleman about have, starting a Bible study next door in the apartments uh, for our Hispanic friends in Spanish. So they're already working on it. Yeah, praise the Lord. <clears throat> so I, I just I think it's really incredible that that um, uh, that, and this is one of the reasons why we're networked with somebody because it allows us to do more together than by ourselves. And so, so Edgar says to me, we're in these board meetings because they're boring. And Edgar says, hey, I wanna, I'm, I'm, I, I've got a plan for trucking. I go, what's the plan? He goes, my plan is I'm going to license and ordain. I'm going to train, train, license, and ordain Jim Mathias and Roberto and anyone else we can. So this is so incredible. Dude, Pastor Jim Mathias. <laughs> oh, my gosh, dude. I'm, like, so stoked out of that. You can't, those are, like, <laughs> Oh, man, that's so cool. Um, and I, so he says, what do you think? And I said, dude, you've planted so many churches in the last few years. I think do your thing. I'm going to stay out of it. You tell me what resources you need. You tell me what doors need to be opened, and we'll assist you to get in here and do it. So would you, just over the, the course of time, we'll update you as things pop up. Pray, maybe one day here. Um, you know, it, it's been my heart that, that our church would grow, and it wouldn't grow uh, just from transfer growth, from people moving from the Bay Area to Truckee or, or whatever, whatever that looks like, but that it would grow because people who don't know Jesus meet Jesus for the first time, fall in love with Jesus, and, and become Christians and fall in love with the Word of God. And how cool would it be, because this is a very real thing, how cool would it be if we added 200 Hispanic people who love Jesus for the first time just in the next couple years? That's a real, that's a very real, tangible thing. Uh, that could happen. So I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know how God's going to do it. I just know God is in the job of saving people, and uh, I want to be a part of it. So um, with that said, hey, we are going to continue in the um, book of Galatians. Uh, we started last week. 
want to encourage you, if you missed last week's message, just an overarching theme of the gospel, that we are saved by grace. The response um, that, that I received from last week's message was very positive. And so I just want to encourage you, if you haven't heard it, or at least, at least this, I'd say if, you, if you're struggling in any way with trying to understand and define the gospel of grace and what Jesus has done for us, last week's message would be a great place to start. So you can, you can watch them on YouTube. You can listen to them online on our website. But I want to encourage you possibly to go back and listen in. Now, what happens is, and someone mentioned this to me, um, in the text that we're in this morning, we're just going to cover uh, the first five verses. Last week, I read into all the way into verse 10 because I wanted you to have the context of Paul mentioning that, that he's astonished that anyone would ever turn from the gospel in which he originally preached. So I wanted that context for last week. And someone said to me this morning, after listening to this morning's message, uh, that they would have very easily just breezed past so much of what's in the first four verses. There's more here for us, and then we'll dive in to more next week. So we're going to be in Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. If you don't have a Bible this morning, one of, one of these uh, uh, ushers here would love to hand you a book. Just raise your hand and turn to Galatians with me. And we're going to read here. And the title of the message this morning um, is Paul's Authority and the Gift of Jesus. That'll make more sense as we dive in. And uh, if you're new this morning, we, we have kind of a thing that we like to do when we read the Word of God. So, and, and you'll hear more about this as the message progresses. We love the Word of God. We believe that the Word of God uh, is actually His voice speaking to us. We believe it is inerrant. It is infallible. It is not just inspired, man. It is Jesus speaking to us. And we know that Jesus is our friend, and we know that we can have a casual relationship with him uh, in the sense that, that he is our father and friend. But at the same time, he's our king, and he's a good king, and he's worthy of praise, and he's worthy of honor, and he's worthy of our respect. And so our tradition is uh, through the reading of the scripture, we stand. Would you please, if you're able to this morning, stand with me as we read from Galatians chapter 1. <clears throat> Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Lord, may your voice ring true to us this morning. Remove distraction, Lord. Remove negative emotion, Lord. And open us up to what you have to say to us. And we trust you for this work, Lord, now. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. You may be seated. Okay. So as is customary, got to give a little bit of background so we're all on the same page. Paul, who was once a Pharisee, he was a Pharisee above all Pharisees. This is a guy who was religious in every way. He gets saved, if you remember, on the road to Damascus. Jesus appears to him visually, saves Paul. Paul removes himself for a period of time, learns from Christ himself, and then he begins to plant churches. And one of the areas in which he planted churches is Galatia. And as he has planted these churches, what was customary for Paul is, is he was uh, planting a church in one place. He'd move to another place, plant a church. He'd raise up leaders, raise up elders. Uh, 
raise up what would be what we would call a biblical operating church. He'd move to another area, and then he would go to somewhere else like, like Corinth or Colossae or somewhere else. But he would still stay in correspondence with those churches because he loved them. They were his spiritual children. And what was happening in Galatia is he planted the church, he established the church, he trained the church. Then he stepped aside and went away, and he heard, what he heard was that there was a group of people called the Judaizers. These were Jewish men who believed in Jesus, who were adding to the gospel that in order to truly be saved, they had to not only accept Jesus by faith, they also had to practice the Mosaic law. And so as Paul is gone, they're creeping in and they're saying, listen, you're not saved just by grace alone. You're also saved by your works. And Paul hears about this and he gets tremendously frustrated and he writes this letter to the Galatians and he's writing it to us as well. So, so remember last week we shared, there's a little Pharisee in all of us, yeah? There's a little legalist in all of us. And what I meant by that was that we, we may not be forcing people to adhere to the Mosaic law, but we can believe, we can come to a place where we think that we think the way that we do religion or the way we do Christianity is correct. Let me give you an example from my board meetings this week. Sounds like they were a little less boring than, than they really were. So we got a gentleman um, in our district. His name is uh, Osmaldo Mata. They call him Oz. And Oz, is, he's a younger guy. He's got a family. He's got a few kids. And uh, he planted a church in Napa Valley with four people. I don't know how many of you uh, know this or not. I don't know if that constitutes as a church. Um, him, <laughs> his wife, and another couple. And so they planted this church, and Osvaldo, he's, he's, uh, you know, as we're meeting with him, he's sharing the story of how he became a pastor and how he planted this church. And Osvaldo immediately had my attention because Osvaldo had, had, has this beautiful black beard, right? So immediately he's in. He's one of us. And, uh, and so he's sitting here sharing. He's got a big black beard. He's wearing jeans with holes in them and a T-shirt, and he's wearing, some of you will have no idea what I'm saying when I say this, but he's wearing a pair of Yeezy Boosts. How many of you know what Yeezy Boosts are? A few of you do. Praise God for you. The rest of you, don't, don't, don't Google them. It's not worth it. They're, they're a pair of pretty cool sneakers. And so I'm, I'm listening to this guy's heart. And here's where he's at. In, in just a few years' time, his little church plant went from four to 150. And we had a church in Napa that, for several reasons, was declining and dying. It was only left with a handful of people. And Osvaldo was renting the facility from that church, but they were meeting later in the afternoons in order to make it work. Now, because Osvaldo's church is thriving and this other church is dying, and they've, they've absorbed this other church, just a handful of people, 150 people. And here's why we had Osvaldo in the meeting. We wanted to hear Osvaldo's heart towards ministry and church planting because the discussion we had was, was do we feel that Osvaldo and their church plant is worth giving them for free a multi-million dollar facility. So this church at one time was thriving and growing. They bought a beautiful piece of property in Napa. They died. New church came in, started meeting there. They weren't initially part of who we were as a denomination, changed their denominational status, and now they're saying, they're say, they're saying listen, we want to continue to meet here. Can we meet here? Can we pay rent? Can we work out some deal? Well, we're saying we're not going to let you pay rent. We're going to actually give you the building. And we're going to let you do ministry. And so here he is. He's sharing his heart. And he's sharing that, that for the first time in their season, they're going to be baptizing here this week well over 10 people who just came to Jesus Christ through his church. 
He says, all these kind of people that are coming to the Lord and, and, and they're learning about the Bible and they're hearing the gospel. Here's this young, just vibrant guy and he's talking about the goodness and the grace of Jesus Christ, just like Paul talks about in Galatians. And so one of the, when we were all done, we decided this is what we want to do. We want to let them use the facility. We're going to give them the facility. We're going to give them the title and the deed to this facility, which I just think is a beautiful thing, to just give somebody millions of dollars in the name of Jesus Christ. And, and so he says, someone says to them, as you leave, how can we pray for you? What kind of struggles are you going through? And he says, you know what, man? Most of the time, most pastors would probably say, you know, I'm dealing with this in the church. Or I'm dealing with this in the church. He says, none of that stuff is my issue. Osvaldo's story is that his father was a pastor, a Hispanic pastor. And so he became a pastor through the understanding of the gospel through his parents. But his parents' tradition has been a major emphasis and focus on Osvaldo. And Osvaldo said, you know, I preach the way that I look right now. So he preaches in, in Yeezy Boosts, for those of you who care, torn jeans and a black T-shirt. And, uh, and he said, my mom, when she comes to church, she just shakes her head. Osvaldo, why? Como? And, uh, and he said, you know, all these people are getting saved, and all my parents can think about is I'm not dressed the right way, and I'm not doing ministry the way that they did it. Now, the reason I share that is because this is, this is the way in which we become religious people. When we believe and think that, that church should be done in such a way that actually when we say it needs to be done in such a way, what we don't recognize is happening is we're actually putting something else in front of the gospel. And so, so it should be, if I dare say it, I know some of you be like, oh my gosh, don't do it. It shouldn't matter whether the pastor preaches in sandals or a tank top or a suit. The dress doesn't matter. The clothing doesn't matter. What matters is what's coming out of his mouth, that Jesus Christ is the way of salvation and that he and he alone has earned that path of salvation. And for us to add anything to it is to be a frustration to Paul. And uh, you can't see it in the original language, but when we're reading this, when you're reading it in the original language, it's filled with a lot of terse kind of language and statements. There's a lot of oomph to what he's saying here. This is not your typical introduction to any of the other epistles that Paul has written. In fact, later in Galatians, Paul says, see with which, see with which what, what large letters I am writing to you with. He's upset. And he's saying, because right there was no Microsoft Word in Paul's day, so there was no clean lines, there was no 14-point font and double spacing. It was, it was handwritten. And so Paul, if you will, he's writing, I, an apostle, uh, not through men, not of men, but through Jesus Christ. And, and, and at some point, Paul's going, what the heck are you doing? And he says, look at my letter. I'm, I'm frustrated. And he's frustrated. Number one, here's the first, first problem. Not just, we shared last week, it isn't just that the, that the gospel was being undermined, but that Paul's authority is being underlined. This is point number one, the authority of Paul. Paul, Paul's authority is being undermined by the Judaizers. Essentially what the Judaizers were saying to the Galatian church was, we, we know that Paul preached this particular gospel to you, this gospel of grace, that there's no other gospel other than Jesus Christ. However, Paul doesn't really count as an apostle. See, in order to be an apostle, you had to actually see Jesus. You had to walk with Jesus. And essentially what the Judaizers were saying was Paul wasn't with the original group. He wasn't with Matthew. He wasn't with, with those individuals like Peter who walked with Jesus. So you don't need to actually listen to Paul. Paul doesn't know what he's talking about. So Paul starts out his letter, and this is how you know he's being so terse. He starts out, and the first thing he says is, I'm Paul, I'm an apostle, not of men, not through man, but through Jesus and God the Father. 
He's mentioning two together. Both parts of the Godhead, in addition to the Trinity, have established him. And he's going all the way back, and he's letting us know, I have seen Jesus face to face. Remember, he got saved on a Damascus road. Jesus appeared to him to his face. And between the two persons of God, the Father and Jesus, Paul has been established with great authority. Listen to what one commentator says. Between these two persons, Jesus and God the Father, in the Godhead there is an absolute oneness of heart, mind, and purpose. God the Father and the Son, they think, act, govern, and save together as they bring to fulfillment their joint eternal purpose. The Father and the Son are clearly at the head, uh, at the heart of what is being said here and very much hand in hand in all that is going on in this book. Why is this is so, so important? This is super important because when Paul, what Paul is saying is, when you read my letters, when you read what I have written, you're actually not hearing from Paul at all. You're hearing from Jesus and God the Father themselves. What this means is when, when Paul speaks, Paul's not speaking absent from, from any other authority other than himself. He's speaking through the authority of God himself. So, so this is why we put this huge emphasis on standing when we read Scripture and why we put a huge emphasis on walking through books of the Bible. What our culture needs more than anything else, more than any other time, I think, in all of history, is for men and women to stand on the glorious, beautiful truth that God's word is for all people at all times and all places, regardless of the cultural background. We need more of the word of God, not less of the word of God. Can I get some amens, please? Just just think, whoa, that was good. All right, all right. Um, so that's the problem. The solution Paul is, is mentioning here that he's been chosen by God. Two things Paul's been chosen for, good for you to know, um, by the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, uh, church planting. Paul was, was chosen, that was his mission, that's what it means to be an apostle, to be set on mission by God himself. Number one, to plant churches. Number two, number two, he's been chosen to strengthen those churches. And I believe that likewise, you and I, together as a family, should be involved in those two things as well. Involved in church planting, as well as being involved in, in building up the church. One of my jobs, I've said it before, it's worth saying again, one of my jobs is to preach and teach in such a way that when you leave here, your faith is increased. And that as your faith is increased in Jesus Christ, you'll live out in such a way, like a church planter to a certain degree, where you are looking for more outsiders to be brought into the kingdom of God. Right? So, so <clears throat> one of the things that, that we deal with as a board this is all fresh in my mind, so I'm sharing it with you as my illustrations. Um, is, if we have a church right now. I can't mention the, the name of it because it's, it's not too far away from us. But we have a church that, that what has happened to that particular church, it's filled with about 20 people. It's had three pastors in the last five years. And one of their major problems isn't the pastor. Hear me clearly now. It isn't the pastor. They've actually had a couple good guys in there. Some good guys who love the word, good guys who are trying to teach and preach. You know where the problem is? It's the 20 people who've been there forever. And those 20 people who've been there forever, they've become super ingrown. They're no longer about planting churches. They're no longer about being evangelistic. They're about, this is our building. In fact, it was shared that one of the problems they have is every member in the church has the key to the building. And that there are several people in the community that they don't even know of who have keys to the building. And that they've used that building as, if you will, like a little clubhouse. They come together, they gather, they fellowship. If you were to come from the outside in, you would be, you'd be met with, with a little bit of coldness, starkness. So the church has forgotten 
this particular church has forgotten that the church is not just for the church. The church is also for the unchurched. It's for people who don't know Jesus. I shared with you a few weeks back about the gal and the husband who, who come to church every week and they don't always sit together because they want to meet as many new people as possible. And one of the things they stated was whenever we see somebody sitting alone, that's an emergency. And they reach out to that person. You see, you see Paul understood in the Galatian church that, that we, we are not to put anything, anything at all that makes salvation harder than it should be. Are you with me? Nothing should make salvation hard. Salvation is a free gift that is presented to anybody. And so, so let, let me be clear on something that, that is super important to us. Uh, we say it all, all the time, all the time, because we need to. We love God's word. We want to study God's word. We want to grow in our knowledge of God. And we should. Church, you should. You should take every opportunity to grow what, the, what Scripture says in the grace and the knowledge of God. Every opportunity. Uh, I, I recently have been more taking more of an emphasis. Every morning you might see me on Donner Pass Road around 7 a.m. with some headphones in my ears, just listening to the Word of God being preached or listening to an audiobook. But it's my personal time for about 45 minutes to an hour where I just walk the same route and I listen and I try to learn that God would pour himself into me and that I would recognize that God loves me and he cares for me. My knowledge should grow. However, however, if that's all you do as a Christian, you grow inward. And, and then what's necessary is for us to step out of ourselves and realize that all this good news that we hear is now for somebody else, yeah? It's for somebody else. Someone else has to hear it. Somebody else needs to hear the, the message that, that Jesus loves them, regardless of their cultural background, regardless of where they come from, regardless of whether they're a woman or a male, whether they're a child or an adult, whether they're rich or whether they're poor, no matter what their race is or their status, Jesus loves them and wants to see them come into a relationship with him, amen? So, so Paul says, listen, I've, I, I'm, I'm, I'm an apostle. I'm on mission. I'm on mission to build the church up, and I'm on mission to plant churches that more people would come to know Jesus Christ. This is why Paul could say, as he says in 1 Corinthians 14, 37, the things I'm writing to you are a command of the Lord. He's recognizing his authority. God's given him authority, and that that authority is to be used to help the church grow in both numerical and in strength. Ephesians 2.20, he says, we're members of the household of God, and we've been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. All that to be said, listen to what Paul says in Ephesians, that you're to build the church on what? The foundation of the what? The teaching of the apostles and the prophets. So a church has to build its walls, spiritually speaking, upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, which means you have to be a student of the Bible. You gotta learn scripture. You gotta dive into it. You gotta read it. It's worth it. There's so many amazing things in the Bible. Let me encourage you, take time to read the word, and the word will do work on you. Can anybody proclaim that that is the truth for them this morning? Has that happened to somebody? Have you ever, have you ever opened up the Bible and just heard God like audibly almost speak to you, and you fall down, and you're like, oh, dang, right? That happens every Sunday. I get to be this beautiful part of God's system where somebody leaves the building on a Sunday. It happens multiple times. Man, that was a word just for me. You know what also happens? I think it's so hilarious. It happened to me just after the first service. Someone came up to me and said, man, when you said this, man, I just heard the Lord say this. And I was like, dude, I didn't say either one of those things. That happens. People hear things that I never say, which is super funny. And of course, I just take credit for it. Like, yeah, man, that was, that was a good point I made there. 
<clears throat> through, through this process of salvation, through the authority that, that Paul has, because Paul has delegated, listen, this is another great point, another great takeaway if you're taking notes. Paul has delegated authority to Paul. And guess what, my friends? God has also delegated authority to you too. He's delegated an authority for you to speak the word of God, know the word of God, help the church grow, help the church thrive, help your family thrive. He's given you that authority. And notice, notice one of the things that's authored here, that, that's authored through Paul and authored through God the Father and Jesus Christ is grace and peace. Anyone this morning need more peace? Right, if you're an American, there's a good chance you need more peace. Uh, and, and what Paul says here, it's, it's important, nothing in scripture is accidental. Grace comes first. Grace is positional. Grace is what we call passive. Grace happens to you. Right? It's a gift. And then peace is practical. Because of the passiveness of you, you sit there. Jesus did all the work. He lived the perfect 33 years. He died on the cross. He defeated death. He resurrected from the dead. He gives us peace. And this peace comes from, this is point two. Remember I said the title of the message is the authority of Paul, and the gift of Jesus Christ. Look at verse four and five. Jesus Christ and God the Father together offering salvation. Look at verse four. Who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God and the Father to whom be the glory and forever and ever. Amen. I want to take time to just note here, this is the beauty of Paul. Anytime Paul takes, has an opportunity to share the gospel, what does he do? He shares the gospel. This is just the introduction of the letter. You could skim by this really, really quickly, but in verses three and four are some incredible depth and realities of your Christian faith. So first of all, Paul says, look, I'm gonna preach the gospel to you. He's saying, listen, here he is. He gave himself to you. He gave of himself to you. First point, anytime there's an opportunity to preach the gospel, what do you do? Preach it. How many of you have heard the quote from uh, Francis of Assisi? He says, uh, I preach the gospel, uh, preach the gospel at all times and, uh, and, and use words when necessary. Has anyone ever heard that? So first of all, you've got to know Francis of Assisi. You've got to understand that's a great quote. You also have to understand it's totally taken out of context. Okay, you know what gospel means? Does anyone know the definition of gospel? You're like, oh, man, don't put me on the spot. That's when I get weird. What's it mean? Good news. All right. Okay, you're coming to church every weekend. Everyone who's answering, you're here every week. That's great. Um, good news. Good news has to be proclaimed. Good news has to be read. So, so when I say we have to take opportunity to preach the gospel, you have to understand that, yes, Sierra Bible Church, yes, church family, yes, those of you who are visiting and believe in Jesus Christ, yes, you should do good deeds. Good deeds are amazing. Good deeds are evidence of our faith. That's what the whole book of James is about, yeah? You gotta do it. You gotta be generous. You gotta be giving. You gotta help the needy. You gotta help the poor. You gotta help the widow. You gotta give every opportunity that you can to serve and love people. However, take note that the Bible is clear that the gospel is a proclamation of good news, which means at some point, you as a Christian have to know, you have to know how to verbalize the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is not optional. <laughs> this is not optional. It's not, it's not optional any more than it is optional to pray. 
And the reason this is important is because, again, in American culture, we lean on professionals. Well, that's the evangelist's job. That's the pastor's job. That's what the pastor does. We leave it to the professionals. No, 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 no. You have certain people who have a proclivity to being able to preach the gospel, certain people who have a gift to articulate, certain people who have a gift to preach and speak, but it is every Christian's obligation to burst forth in joy in the reality that Jesus has given himself for sinners such as you and I. Yeah? So, so this isn't something that you get to, to check out of. You've got to share it. You've got to share it to the best of your ability. And here's what the enemy's going to do. The enemy's going to say to you, you don't know enough of the Bible. The enemy's going to say, you, 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 you're not good enough. You're too much of a sinner. And, and that statement, when Satan says you're too much of a sinner, that's the first part of the gospel. Satan uses the first part of the gospel to get you not to preach the gospel. So you can share with somebody, I'm not perfect. I'm a hypocrite. I'm in need of saving. I'm in need of a savior. And so are you. Now, I've got to just say, because, because I know this happens, there's a way to preach the gospel to your friends and your family and not be a total weirdo. Have you met some of these weirdos? <laughs> At least they're trying. There's a way to do it. So he, he mentions to us now, take note, the authoring of salvation. It's through the Godhead. It's through Jesus Christ. It's through God the Father. This is super significant. And we see the nature of, we back, we back pedal just a little bit into the grace and peace. We see the nature of grace, and we see the nature, the nature of peace is that Jesus Christ gave himself as a voluntary act of obedience for you and I. How do we get peace? We get peace because Jesus gave himself. How do we understand grace? Because Jesus gave himself. Um, one of the areas I have to pastor in, in this church is the area of schooling. So a little bit of anxiety for my wife and I, okay? I'll open my heart to you. And we've got four kids. So one of the things that we are continually discussing is not only how we raise them and what we teach them, but also what's the best step for school for them. And, and so for schooling, we've, we've chosen for a period of time, we've, we've done homeschooling. Uh, so if my wife looks tired, that's why. And homeschooling four kids, four different ages, it's the last few years for my wife, it's just been crazy. It's been chaos. So this last year, we felt like, like God was challenging us to maybe do something different. And so we're sending two of our kids to public school. And, and I recognize right off the gate, because, because I've been here long enough to know, that one of the ways we, we add to the gospel is how we educate our kids. And we have people in our church all over the board. Some are homeschoolers, some go to charter school, some go to the public school. Can I share with you that Jesus isn't so concerned with where you send your child as much as understanding that you have been given the authority by God in how you are to train up your child. And for each child, it's different. For some, and different, we, may, we may homeschool next year. We don't know. We're just walking through in faith what God has. Here, here we know a couple things. We know, number one, we know that Jesus wants to save teachers and other parents in the school district. We know that Jesus is a friend of sinners, so we know we have an obligation to be friends with those sinners. What better way to do it than to build relationships with those teachers as they're training up our children and to enter into all kinds of fun conversations that I'm sure we'll have this year with them, right? So God in this church, God is not concerned in any church. God is not concerned with how you do it. He's concerned with the heart in which you do it. Train up your child in the way which he should go and you will not depart from it. 
Train your children how to pray. Train your children how to read the Bible. But you have tremendous freedom in how you do that. That's freedom. If someone came to you and said, well, no, if you're going to do it right, you've got to do it this way. Then you just go to Paul and you go, see with which large letters I will write to you, right? And as we, we, we look at that for us, there's been a little bit of anxiety. And then we go back to the gospel. How do I get peace? You go back to God gave himself. Here's the good news when God gave himself. Here's the good news of the gospel. Because, it, it, and I'll use myself as an example. I went to public school. Some of you are like, we can tell. <laughs> In spite of the public school system, Jesus still saves. In spite of the government that exists in which we live in, Jesus still saves. In spite of social media and Instagram and MTV, Jesus still saves. In spite of the lack of good parenting that you possess, Jesus still saves. In spite of the fact that you don't know your Bible entirely through, Jesus still saves. In spite of the fact that you don't know Hebrew, Greek, or Aramaic, Jesus still saves. In spite of your anger problem, Jesus still saves. In spite of your anxiety, Jesus still saves. That is the grace of Jesus Christ. So, so here's what we know. We know that in spite of what we do, Jesus saves. But, but boy, I sure would rather have God be working with me instead of in spite of me. And so we pray. Lord, would you help me focus on the gospel and that you've gave himself, that you, you've given yourself to me. And, and listen, this morning I know some of you would, would feel heavy that you have to live and be a certain thing in order for God to be pleased with you. But can I declare to you from the authority of Paul and also the same authority that Jesus has given me, different than Paul's, I can't write scripture, but he's given me an authority to speak into your life that there is no need for you to feel guilt or condemnation in your sin. You need to open up your heart to the love of God that he has for you and his acceptance of you and you need to revel in that and complete joy. Yeah? I hope that's for somebody this morning. So there's a couple things here that I want to mention as we progress and close here in just a few moments. Number one, that God gave himself teaches us several things. Number one, it teaches us the willingness of Jesus to go to the cross. It teaches us the willingness of Jesus to go to the cross. Jesus, who was God, died on the cross on our behalf, willingly and not begrudgingly. And the same way we should be living for the Lord, not begrudgingly, but willingly. Matthew 27, 50 says when Jesus died, it says that he yielded up his spirit. He himself gave it. John 10, 17, he says, I lay my life down. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Can you just be blessed with the reality that Jesus willingly went to the cross for you, knowing exactly who you are? And I believe this with all my heart. And this is a deep theological statement that you can dissect on your own sometime. I believe that when Jesus went to the cross, he knew exactly who he was going to the cross for. He knew exactly who he was dying for. And he knew exactly who he would be raised from the grave for on your behalf. I believe wholeheartedly that Jesus, as he died on the cross, had your name on his mind. That he would guarantee your salvation. Number two, it shows us the purpose of the cross. What's the purpose of the cross? To give himself for what? Your sins. This is, this is a really neat deal. This is what we would call substitutionary atonement. That's a big word for, for Jesus was our substitute to atone for our sins, to pay for our sins on the cross. Another big word, because it makes me sound smart, propitiation. How many of you are familiar with that word? 
We've used it on Sundays before. Propitiation literally means that Jesus was our wrath-bearing sacrifice. The reason that's important to mention this morning is because in some churches, they will tell you that propitiation should be removed from the text and should not be used in theological discourse because of the word wrath. They want to remove that, that God isn't angry, that God isn't wrathful, that he's only love, as if somehow being angry somehow removes God from being loving. Now, I don't know about you this morning, but when I read of such atrocities as the Epstein case, we just had some individuals here this week share what's happening in the Tahoe Basin with human trafficking. When I hear of young children dying, when I hear of the things that are happening across the globe to those who would call themselves Christians and are being martyred, when I hear of these things, when I, when I not only hear of those things, but when I actually step aside and I'm angry at, well, look at Epstein, and I just take a moment to look at my own heart. And I go, man, I can see why God would be angry against so, such atrocities. And what happened on the cross, Jesus went willingly, and he went willingly for your sins to be your propitiation, to be your wrath-bearing sacrifice. And so the way we, we say it is that either you bear the wrath of God's holiness or Jesus bears the wrath of God's holiness. And Jesus absorbed your atrocities, big and small, that you committed against the Lord. He went for your sins to wipe your sins away. You know what's so good about that? Is the Bible says because of that sacrifice that he made, your sins are as far as from the east as the west. Which is to just say, he doesn't even know them, he doesn't remember them. You remember your sins. There's a good chance your spouse will remember your sins. And I know your kids will throw them in your face. But Jesus does not remember your sins. That's number two. Number three, the effects of the cross. What are the effects of the cross? He mentions it here in the text. To deliver us from this present evil age. This present evil age is a system. It's, it's the world that's working against us to, th- to make you think in a way that is ungodly and anti-Christ. So let me give you an example, one that's really easy. I don't like using this example because I think the church has set it off to the side as some kind of special sin, and it isn't, it's just another one in, in the list of all kinds of sins that we deal with. But, but because I know it's an easy one to communicate here, uh, our culture and our society has basically taught us that, that your sexuality doesn't matter as long as you're not harming anyone else. You can do what you want with whom you want as long as you're not causing harm. Our culture has also stated that, that if you are born a male and you no longer believe that you're a male, you have the right and the ability to choose. The system of the world would say absolutely that is true, absolutely that is necessary, and, and the culture would go as far as saying you need to embrace these things so that humankind would actually thrive. And that by actually preaching or saying anything differently, you're stifling the good of humanity. That, that is the culture we live in. Would you agree? Uh, and, and the Bible would, would say, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, that's not the system of the world. That's, that's gender confusion. That's sexual identity manipulation. You actually become less human being. And the culture actually suffers when we allow ourselves to think that these kind of freedoms are the best for mankind. Now, now, what the Bible is saying here is, is unless you're freed through the gospel of Jesus Christ, you'll do whatever the culture tells you to do. You won't even question it. You'll just do it. But as soon as you become a Christian and, you, and, and the Bible starts rubbing up against you, you start to realize, well, God has a better way for us to have peace and to have the flourishing of humankind. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but we as a, as a nation, 
the, the statistics for depression and suicide are just through the roof. They're astronomical. So you have one side who's saying, listen, do whatever you want with your sexuality and, and don't stand in the way of that because you'll ruin humanity. And so now that's where we're at as a culture. Do anything you want. Do anything you want. And now over here what we have is we have this big ugly blot on our, on our nation that's like suicide, depression. I wish I had the statistics for you this morning. I don't, but they're very bad. They're very dark. I think you would relate to that. I think you would understand that and know that. And so they're saying one thing and they're not realizing that the fruit of those actions are leading to the decay of our culture and our society. And so Jesus comes in against all of this, rubs up against it and says, I can free you from your sins and from this present evil age. That word delivered literally means to be rescued. Do you know what you've been rescued from? Number one, you've been rescued from the wrong family and you've been adopted into the right family. Number two, you have been freed from the bondage of sin. Hear me on this. In our um, church, for sure, there are people here who, who understand that Jesus loves them. Jesus died on the cross for their sins. And you get that. <clears throat> what happens sometimes, though, is at some place, we think that just by studying and just by praying, we'll be freed from certain kind of bondages. What do I mean by that? I think all of us have them to one degree or another. Whether it's lust or anger or depression, bondages, things, things that, that, that grab a hold of us that no matter how much we we work, and no matter how much we pray, we just can't seem to get rid of. And you know why just studying the Word of God isn't enough? You want to know why just prayer is enough? Some of you are like, what is he going to say? What I'm going to say is, is because you need to recognize, just as I stated earlier, it's the beginning point, Paul had a delegated authority, and so do you. And the reason that some of us still struggle in our bondage in this present evil age is because we don't declare in the name of Jesus Christ, we don't believe in the authority of Jesus Christ that there shall be no bondage that is held against me and no condemnation. My friends, you know what you have? You have the ability and the power to tell Satan, leave me alone. Do you know that? Do you know that this morning? This is incredible good news. Satan cannot beat you up. You, you can look at him in the face and you can say, I have been given an authority by who? Jesus. So you got to go. And what does he have to do? He's got to go. And there's other things you're going to deal with in your flesh, but you've been freed from these things. And then lastly, what's the origin of the cross? The origin of cro the cross, the origin of him giving himself, the authoring of salvation, again, just to reiterate, comes from Jesus and God the Father. Our salvation is planted in history past. Our freedom is planted in history past, and it's planted in the person of Jesus Christ, and it was given by that authority of God the Father. I would pray that you would feel more free this morning to be who you are in Jesus and to share your faith with others. Let me give you a couple next steps, and we'll partake in communion together. So these are closing steps here. Um, number one, here's the encouragement. 30 minutes this week. That's a small number. But for some of you, some of you, like those of you who aren't reading at all, I figured I had to start there. We'll, we'll start for those who aren't reading at all. 30 minutes this week to read Scripture and to read it as if you're actually hearing from the reality of which it is from Jesus and God the Father. Number two, do a self-assessment and make a list of the things that, that you believe God desires to deliver you from with the understanding that you've already been delivered by it already. And so this is just a time for you to go through your own life with what? No condemnation. Because there is no condemnation. That's 
Because of what Jesus has done, you can go before the cross, you can go before friends and family and admit that you make mistakes because your identity is found in him. And then you can lay those things down and say, Lord, purge these from me so that I can be a better vessel. As Paul says here in closing in, in verse four, to whom be the glory forever and ever. And the church said, amen. This morning, the team's gonna come up and uh, elders, deacons, leaders that I have here, would you be willing to please come forward and uh, serve communion? And while they're passing out the offering, uh, the offering, the, the communion, um, just take a few moments to pray, to seek the Lord, uh, ask God to speak to your heart, ask him to seal up and bind up whatever it is that, that he wanted to share with you this morning that would really get written on the tablet of your heart that it would stick around for a long time. So these guys will hand them out, bread first, juice, you'll get those in your hands and then we'll partake together, so please hold on to them and just take a few moments to sing along with Brad and we'll partake. Go ahead, guys, thank you.